the instant I even saw Vlad, before I even shook his hand, I knew this guy is just phenomenal. He's something beyond the range of anything I'd seen or experienced before. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Scott, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you, Glenn. Honor's all mine. Oh, no, it's just, I've been uh, wanting to get you on for a little while, and uh, um, Vladimir and Valerie specifically uh, requested and said that it would be good to get you on here to um, to, to hear about you know, your viewpoints and, and things as well. So it's, uh, I'm glad we're going to tie down. I appreciate it. It's, uh, we've got a time difference, so it's been a little bit of a juggle getting it together, but <laughs> I'm glad we managed to. That's grand. I think we, we only actually met once. I think it was at a strikes seminar at Vladimir's um, HQ a few years back. Yeah, up in Toronto, right? Yeah, I remember yeah, training with you. Right. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, but um, other than that, I hadn't had the chance to, to train with you so much. But it was a, it was a pleasure meeting you then, and, and it's good to speak to you again now. Well, thank you. So, um, so you're famous within the systemic community specifically for um, for having uh, written and co-written the uh, the uh, Vladimir's books. So, Let Every Breath and the First Distance, right? And then um, Strikes later on, yeah. and then the New Edge book as well. That's right. That's the and, big three right there. Yeah, great. And so we'd like to, um, I'd like to get into that uh, a little bit um, later on as well about kind of your process and how you got, kind of got into that and, and how you start to put it together. Um, but um, sure. first up, can you tell folks a little bit about um, yourself? Because you've, you've trained other martial arts um, quite extensively as well, and you've written books on Tai Chi and, and other arts in addition to Sistema. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And I've been in the game a long time, since I was about 12 or 13. And Back then, you know, nowadays every strip mall has a Taekwondo thing and all the kids rush there after school and the moms sit there and wait for them. You know, it's a thing. Then, then though, (laughs) in the early 70s, it wasn't quite such a thing as it is now. So it wasn't like every single strip mall had a Taekwondo dojo. And, uh, but it was just beginning to take off with the Bruce Lee movies. And of course, we just couldn't help but get excited by that. So right. I've been training the Taekwondo and Shaolin from that time. And that's about all there was. I was even lucky there was any Chinese martial arts. Basically, it was veterans from uh, the Vietnam, Korean wars. Just, you know, they'd ha- had uh, service training. And so they would open dojos here and there. Yeah. So I was doing that for a long time and also boxing since uh, since I was a teenager. And I've continued that off and on over the years. So I think I have had some grounding in the arts and always had a, a lot of interest in it. It's just such a fascinating concept, you know. Martial arts is maybe the closest thing to those superheroes in the comic books, like Spider-Man and stuff. Sure. That's the closest real-life uh, correspondence we can make. So it's just it's just a very interesting and exciting field, and I've always felt that way. And now, as for Sistema specifically, I just always try to keep my, my eyes open and antenna reaching for anything interesting, you know, anything new or interesting in this field. Hmm. And for some reason in like the late 90s, like I think 99, 98, 99, something like that, hmm. just by chance, I was reading this magazine. I don't think it even exists anymore. It's called Soldier of Fortune. Okay. I just picked it up at the newsstand one day. I didn't even really focus on it that much, but I just had to wait for somebody. So I just picked it up and in the back, they had this TRS ad, Threat Response Solutions or Systems sure. or something. Yeah. Yeah. This company that 
I think most of your readers will know that at least back then, and maybe they even still exist, they would go around like picking up any crazy thing they could think of that was new or different in martial arts. And they'd, right. they'd make a quick video of it, right? Or they'd pick up an existing video. So they had Hawaiian stuff and prison martial arts and Cherokee tomahawk fighting and stuff. Yeah, yeah I remember seeing the Cherokee one and the guy looked very questionable. Yeah, yeah. It was Cherokee to me. He looked extraordinary. Right, right. <laughs> extraordinarily <laughs> Caucasian. <laughs> I know, I know. There's so many crazy things. But the thing is, when you cast a wide net, you're bound to catch one or two amazing fish in the net, along with all the you know bottom feeders. And yeah. so, just by chance, I thought, what the hell, you know? So I I ordered their entire catalog in one shot, just yeah. from that attic. So what the hell, you know? Just see what they got. So they sent this huge box of VHS tapes, everything they had at that time. And I think at that time, Vladimir, he probably had like one tape on knife defense. He might have had another one. I'm not sure. But yeah. what I got was a knife defense. And I'm just going through these things, just like playing cards, you know, flipping. I would watch like two minutes of each VHS. And now, next, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. When I hit Vladimir's, I was floored. Immediately, yeah. immediately, I saw this guy is incredible. He yeah. is a standout. There's nothing else like this. I, I just put the rest of the box in the garage, <laughs> didn't even watch it. When I saw that, I knew yeah. this man is amazing. And, and you know, that's the mark. I, I'm not a great fighter or anything or master or anything like that. But I have eyes, you know, and, yeah. and it's like being a talent scout. You can just see that right away if you're sensitive to it. Instantly. Yeah, you can recognize you quality. This is, yeah. yeah, this is genius in motion right here. Yeah. So I just knew I, I had to get somehow closer to that. But I, I've also had a high-tech career. So I worked for IBM and Apple for many years and uh, yeah. Microsoft and all these companies. And now I work for uh, Oculus VR. So I, I do all kind of high-tech stuff. So my time's a little bit limited, but I try to fit all this in. So I thought, well, i got to get to the train with this guy or at least meet him somehow. Yeah. But I thought I would prepare a little bit. So I found a local teacher who had studied uh, just a sh- very short time with Mikhail Ryabko, who, as we all know, is Vladimir's teacher. Yeah. And this gentleman was a Russian man teaching in my area uh, just by chance, really. There was hardly anyone at that time. It was just so freakish that there was even this guy. But uh, he was not was in. Class, whereabouts? That was in Seattle. That Seattle. Was in Seattle. Yeah. 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 That's where I've been. That's where I was at the time and still am. And, uh, it's amazing there was even this one guy. I just had a little club in the corner of a, of a college gym. It was like five, six guys. So I just went there and trained with them for a few months. And, and that guy was very good, very competent athlete and, and very honorable man in every way. But, you know, I wasn't seeing the genius factor there. So I started saying, mm, I don't know, you know, if this is all it is, it's nice, it's competent, it's, it's athletic, it's good. But but so I almost canceled my my plan to go see go up to Toronto and 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 meet Vladimir. I thought, well, maybe it's just you know just another Krav Maga type of thing. But uh, I thought, what the hell? So I stuck with it. And man, <laughs> the instant I even saw Vlad before I even shook his hand, I knew this guy is just phenomenal. He's something beyond the range of anything I'd seen or experienced before. So yeah. that's my little origin story. And that goes back to, I don't know, 99 or 2000. And then after that, I would just go to Toronto every year mm. for several weeks at a time. I would somehow carve out the time. And I, I would make, I think, uh, for, for many years, I would travel there three or four times a year, yeah. for a minimum of a week, sometimes two weeks, sometimes longer. I also made the trips to Russia a couple of times. They used to do uh, which I don't think they do much anymore. But uh, back then, they would go to Russia uh, for a few years every year. Sure. So I went on some of those. And uh, we'd always see Michael there and all the other students and train on the Spets base and stuff. So 
that was fun tourism. But my interest was always just to get as close as I could to that level of genius that Glad exemplifies. Gotcha. Yeah. So what was um so. You kind of talked about being able to recognize the quality right away when you saw it. And that's interesting to me um, because uh, obviously a lot of the guests that we've had on the podcast um, had a kind of similar experience where they kind of watched the TRS tapes and they're like, wow, this is something completely different to the other stuff that I'm just seeing kicking around, like the Kung Fu and the Karate and the Aikido and the other stuff that's there. Um, Even people that are pretty highly versed in other things could recognize that this, they didn't know quite what it was. They didn't know quite how he was doing it, but it it definitely wasn't Jiu-Jitsu. You know, it definitely wasn't Krav Maga. There was was something, some of the ineffable quality to the whole thing. And now I can kind of recognize that as the fact that um, Vlad has, you know, what we would call power, like internal power, you know, his, his positioning, his, his timing, his distance, all of that combines yeah. uh, with the psychological yeah, sure. kind of demeanor as well that kind of shows that he's, he's just unflappable and he's, he's confident and he's in the right place. And, and the fact that it's improvisational as well, um, whereas so many yeah. martial arts That's demonstrations right. are usually like, you're going to do this and I'll do this. And of course, you can make it look flashy when you know what the guy's going to attack with. Um, so it, it, yeah. it looked like something between sparring and sport and, and martial arts <laughs> demonstrations to me. And I could see that there was something of quality in there. But it's, it's really interesting to me that people... Um, you know, far and wide on YouTube and things can can look at the same clips and they can look at um, Vladimir and, and Michael in action. And, and with Michael, I can kind of understand it to an extent because he's just not what you expect from a, a martial arts master. Right? He just doesn't <laughs> fit, right. the, fit the stereotype at all, really. He doesn't um, quite look the part. Right? Yeah, he doesn't quite look the part. But it's 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 stunning to me that people can look at Vladimir's work on YouTube or something and they'd be like, oh, this is rubbish. I could do that. Or, you know, or some guy who's like, I'm only a white belt in jiu-jitsu, but I could totally I unbar that guy or something like that. It's so funny yeah. to me that people can't but after see while, the basic quality. Comments, you know, it's, like, it's really funny. Yeah, yeah. But after a while, those comments don't even, you know, you just smile at them because sure, yeah. nobody who's ever met Vladimir ever, ever yeah, right. goes away saying, oh, you know, I could take that. Yeah, he wasn't much. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> never. It's never going to happen in a million years. It's, all the, it's only when you're separated by keyboards and monitors that you get that kind of comment. Yeah. <laughs> we all know. Exactly. Yeah. So it used to bother me a lot more. But now it's just, um, it's almost a curiosity to me. I'm just like, how yeah, can you not see it? It's like somebody yeah. showing a Michelangelo painting and people being like, it's rubbish. I could do better than that. You know, like, know. you might not appreciate the style, <laughs> but you could appreciate that it's yeah, quality yeah. In, in, you know, in, in what's being done. But anyway, I digress a little bit. Um, so, um, had you, so prior to training Sistema and so your, your framework for understanding what you were looking at and your framework for, um, uh-huh. sort of understanding the movement and kind of combative movement and things came largely from, you said, so from Kung Fu, from Shaolin, well, were, you tra- were you studying I Tai Chi before that as well? Kinds, mm. Yeah, I did all kinds of uh, Chinese martial arts and yeah. Taekwondo as a teenager and boxing. Yeah. So boxing, everyone knows that game. And then the Taekwondo, I think everyone's familiar with that. And then as for the Chinese, I did a range of styles. I did uh, like seven or eight years in intensive on the seven star praying mantis, which sounds very goofy, but it's actually quite a practical system. <laughs> They're pretty nasty. Mm. Uh, a lot of tricky stuff there. So that was good. And we did iron palm. And then I did a lot of Northern Shaolin with all the jumping and spinning and all that business, which has devolved into Wushu over the years uh, on the mainland. But back then, you know, the teacher was from Taiwan. He's a pretty hardcore guy. Yeah. And, uh, and then also Tai Chi. So uh, in contrast to all this boxing and stuff, I was heavily into Tai Chi from the beginning with an author named Robert Smith, who's quite famous in Tai Chi circles, probably not as well known to your audience. But hmm. this guy, Robert Smith, wrote a lot of books that were classics in their time in the 60s and 70s because he was the first author to write about 
arts like Bagua Zhang, uh, which is a circle sure. walking art, which is very big now. It's, it's, it's yeah. just everyone knows about it now. But he, he was the first English book, English author, you know, to write in English about it, including uh, Xing Yichuan, which is another internal Chinese art. Yeah. He was the first author to write about and popularize Zheng Manqing, who's a famous master, now mm-hmm. dead, now long dead. But so he was a prominent guy and he lived like two blocks from my house and he was teaching free Tai Chi classes. So I, I used to go to his classes and I, I've kept with Tai Chi all these years. And that's actually most of my books are about Tai Chi, which don't mention Sustainment at all. Yeah. But you've got to just give, you know, Vladimir his due. I mean, suppose you weren't a sword fighter, you were just something else, right? And yet you met Miyamoto Musashi. I mean, that would make an impression on you, even if it wasn't quite your thing, your sure. paint yeah. style or whatever, yeah. Yeah. So had you um so you'd written you'd started writing the books about Tai Chi um before you um no, wrote the books I of Vladimir actually, or was that that's after No, you no, no. It yeah. was it was after uh when I had time to, to get into that. The first book I've written actually was that Every Breath. That's okay. the breath book. I guess most people in your audience would know about that book. And that evolved very naturally. I didn't of course I didn't go in there, you know, oh, I'll go to Toronto and I'll I'll be friends with Brad and I'll write a book about breathing. I mean, of course not, right? So the way it worked was very organic. It was just that at that time, see, way back in the Stone Age of this stuff, not the Stone Age of the art itself, which is obviously has its roots in the Soviet Union way back, but the Stone Age of Western knowledge or understanding or appreciation or any contact with this. I mean, back then, nobody knew about this. Nobody knew about Vladimir Sustema, anything. It was totally unknown, even in the martial arts world, beyond this one TRS tape. So, uh, and, and it was, wasn't only unknown, it was kind of unthinkable. I mean, you say Russian martial arts, it would be, yeah. I don't know, it's just like a non sequitur. People assume that martial arts means Japan and China, and that's the end of it back then. Well, some people so, heard of Sambo, I guess, or something like, yeah, a few things Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, that was coming along, but that's sort of a sportive thing, you know, yeah. like sort of like Greco-Roman wrestling or something. It just didn't compute with people back sure. then. But anyway, yeah. way back in the Stone Age of this stuff, in the late 90s, and the very early 2000s, Vladimir used to have a forum on his website which is long gone now. The, the, the forum is long gone, not the yeah. website. And uh, that was like a total free-for-all. I mean, it was the early days of the internet, right? So people didn't understand how these communities can can function. So yeah. we had that. And and uh, I used to write on there just, you know, questions, comments, uh, my appreciation of the art and so forth and so on. And uh, for some reason, my posts would, would attract some attention. So after a while, they asked me, I don't know, around like early years of this forum saying they asked me to be a sort of an admin or a moderator because there are all kind of crazy flame wars would break out and all kind of inappropriate content from time to time, just like yeah. any other forum at that time. Right. You know, yeah. it was just early days. You know, now it's just shifted to Facebook now. So to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, but at least these things are better understood now. So back then, though, it was a free fall. So anyway, I became a, a moderator on there of sorts. And after a while, just Vladimir and Valerie came to me and said, hey, you know, we kind of like your posts on the, on the forum, and we're thinking of, of having someone work with us to present to Breed It in greater depth. And I, I actually turned it down at first. I thought, my God, you've got the unbelievable students who are just so talented at the art itself, which I am not. And, uh, you know, I have in no way even begun to remotely approach becoming even competent at this art, much less being any sort of master of it. And yeah. so I said, you know, you've got these black belts, you've got the Canadian all judo champion, I don't know, all kind of great people. So just work with them. And, and, and many of, see, the interesting thing about Vladimir is a lot of his students are not only great fighters and athletes, but 
there's a high intellectual level there. You know, sure. he has PhDs, yeah. he has professors, he has all this kind of stuff, which you don't really find in other arts as much, at least not at that time. Yeah. So I'm like, no, 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 you know, you got to get one of these other people. But they said, no, people like your style, you know, you're kind of make it approachable and lay it out in a fairly straightforward way without too much pretentiousness and stuff. So, mm. so we decided, so I agreed and uh, it worked out really well, I think. I mean, there's been some criticism of the book on the internet and elsewhere, people saying, well, you know, those first three chapters, they're just too much about Vlad and Mikhail and not enough hardcore, you know, how many push-ups should you do and stuff. And uh, I, I don't understand that kind of pushback because people got to realize at that time, nobody had heard of this stuff. Nobody knew these names. Nobody knew about the art. Mm. So I had to, I had to wrap it in the kind of set the scene. Yeah. Give it a cultural context. And now it's easy to smear and say, well, it should have all been just do 10 pushups and then 10 leg raises. And that that would have been enough. You know, you don't need to talk about all this other stuff. But Mm. I think I did need to talk about those things. First of all, because that's what excited me. And I thought I could convey that. And second of all, because it's true. And third of all, because it served a purpose at that time to introduce the art and part of, part of the reason it's as well known now as it is and as big now as it is I like to take my 1% of credit for uh, yeah. having introduced it in that way sure. and yeah. I think the book has really stood the test of time in the sense that I mean if you go to a, a seminar by Michael or Vladimir one of the great big ones of today and mm-hmm. it's just like a one day or two day thing and they're going to talk about breathing pretty much that book summarizes what they would teach you in a yeah. very introductory program. So I think it's it stood the test of time quite well in that yeah, sense. It absolutely has. And I, I would also say that, um, especially since it came out um, prior to Constantine Komarov's like, Sistema Manual as well, there, there was there was nothing even vaguely approaching right. a kind of foundational ground-up way to train Sistema. You know, it was, it was basically you either had the TRS tapes or the videos from HQ, which were, they're kind of instructional in one way, but more demonstrative, and they're useful for instructors who are already well, building progressions right. and things, but there wasn't anything that's like, good. here's where you yeah. should start, and here's how you should work on yourself, right. you know, there was nothing at the time, so and, it was kind of spearheaded that movement. And you're making a very moment. good, mm. yeah, yeah, you're making an excellent point, and, and also, what is a book? I mean, uh, it, uh, the thing is that Vladimir is a real-time, hands-on live teacher, well, like any martial arts teacher, he's not a professor in a classroom, yeah. with a blackboard. So the thing is that he has to show things and he has to keep the, the progress of the lesson going. And he doesn't always have time to step back and present more principles and, and deeper thoughts and that kind of thing. So the function of a book is precisely to get into things that you can't get into yeah. in a one or two day weekend seminar that he was doing so much of back then. Yeah. And uh, even the classes back then, I mean, they were nonstop. When I first went there, the classes were much smaller than they are now. It's just, what can he do? You know, he's become so popular. Mm. They were so small. And uh, it was like Fight Club. I mean, really, it was just nonstop action. Yeah. And that's as it should be. I mean, that's what people wanted. And the people were so good. They were yeah. just such tough, but tough, but sweet guys. Yeah. Just a beautiful atmosphere. But there wasn't time to pull out a whiteboard and go through all this conceptual stuff and the seven principles that I put in the book and all that kind of thing. Yeah. It just didn't fit the format. And that's the whole purpose of a book. That's why we have both the books and the live training and the videos. They all bring something different to the students. Yeah, definitely. But is, uh, I should uh, say also that uh, hmm. at that time, there was one other thing, which is the Russian system guidebook, yeah. which more recent people would only know about because it's been reissued now. 
yeah. in a kind of uh, cleaned up format, but it's, it's, it's very similar content, but that didn't have the, the breathing principles no. that uh, Michael emphasizes so much. That no. was a slightly older book. It'd been done a few years before. It's a beautiful book, especially yeah. the illustrations capture the, you know, they don't, they're not like ABC paint by numbers, but they capture the dynamism of the they art. Do. So they really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a futurist sculpture book. or something. Like, I, I love the illustrations yeah, of that book when I read them. It, <laughs> Such an achievement, right. But even that book didn't get into this phase of the whole breath foundation of the art, which yeah. hadn't been made public at that time. So I think, you know, the book, our book, The Let Every Breath, it really filled a great need at, at the right time. Yeah, I remember thinking when it came out, I was like, wow, I wish I had this a few years ago. You know, it's like, I could have, I, I, I could have I've gone down so many blind alleys with thinking that I knew what I was doing with breathing and just having those seven core principles and bearing those in mind, uh, just kind of and working through them in different ways. And, and, and I think there's, um, there's something to be said for it, that, that argument you make there for having to set the scene for doing things like push-ups because it's one of those things with like, and I, I see this in everyday classes as well. It's like when you're trying to teach people something pretty profound uh, with how they can relate their breath to their movement, how they can pressurize their bodies in ways that they're not, they're not, you know, they can reinforce your structure with breathing. You can, you know, power your movement. You can lift yourself. You can lower yourself. You can uh, adjust your emotional tone, all kinds of things. Right. But you're doing it through the medium of, things that people think they know how to do, like walk and sit up and lay down wow, and do it. push-ups. That's and so it, people, yeah. it's, it's so obvious, or people think it's so obvious that, it, that people almost wouldn't listen to it if you'd have just said, oh, well, here's a bunch of push-ups and you should try breathing in and stretching exactly. your breath over a couple. Right, right, people right. would be like, well, this yeah. is hardly revolutionary. This is just breathing a little bit differently. With, you know, right. like, so you, you kind that of had to set the scene and say, problem. look, this is what this guy can do and here's how he got here. You know, it's like this yeah. foundational thing. That, so, that's the biggest problem is that people think they know. It's like you say, well, we're going to do push-ups well, I know that, you know, yeah. I did that in boot camp and in the core or whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It is truly something different. It's only painted in, in ordinary colors, just mm. like Vlad himself. You see him walking down the street, you think, you know, maybe this guy sells insurance or something. And sure. You wouldn't realize he is the top martial artist of his time, as far as I can tell. Mm. So, it, yeah, that is the key thing. Uh, I had to wrap the context around it to mm. uh, attract uh, interest to it. So thank you for that endorsement uh, from a working instructor. That's very meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can say from you know personal experience, so I do work with corporate groups um, with uh, stress management and resilience and things like that as well. And I've actually recommended or given that book. I don't actually give them out straight at the, at the workshops because not everybody's going to uh, appreciate the angle kind of thing. And I haven't talked right. about martial arts really during the workshops, but I've recommended and given that book to so many people who are just not in the systemic field at all, or just, you know, people who are like kind of convalescing after illness and as a way to kind of help them yeah, recover yeah. from things. And it's, it's always, you know, positively received. So it, it go, it's reach, I think goes far beyond just the, even the systemic community, which is wide enough, you know, it's, it's, it's it's helped a lot of people, I think. So, so could awesome bravo for, for getting that out there in the first instance. Well, thank you. And, and you're absolutely right. We have, we have so many hundreds of letters. We should just publish a letter someday from people who are in all different circumstances and they're not training martial arts and they love that book. So yeah. that was the first one. And that came out in, I think, 2006. And then for a long time, you know, I was pulled in other directions by my tech career, by other things, and we didn't do much on the literary front for a long time. But Vlad, even back then, Vladimir had mentioned to me, you know, it would be great to follow up with a book on strikes. And he's, obviously, he's really interested in that, of course. Yeah. And uh, But we just, I don't know, it just didn't, you know, writing a book is really hard. I mean, it's a hard effort of coordination. Yeah and thinking and organizing, and then you have to go back to everything that's ever been said before by anyone about this, uh, at least within this uh, domain of Russian martial arts, and see does it all make sense and hang together. It's a big effort. 
And we just didn't, you know, get around to it. But then uh, a few years ago, they said, you know, the time is right. Can you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And again, I tried to back off and say, yeah. my God, now, you know, you're so big and you've got all these fantastic people. And they say, yes, yes, we have fantastic people. But you now the students kind of like your style. They're used to it. Could you possibly do it? So, mm. again, I, I uh, you know, I allowed myself to be convinced and I really had fun. It's just so much fun yeah. writing these books with him because he really makes time for it. And we just, you know, it's been days and days and days, the entire day with Vladimir and Valerie, just the three of us going yeah. over so many things, the archival materials and then the stories that come. And then we have a fun time deciding, you know, what should be in, what should be out because, you know, even a book of 200 pages, you have to make cuts. You have to, I have to set limits. So hmm. it is just such an incredible process and such a privilege to have that kind of access. Yeah. And I do enjoy it so much, you know, but I, I try to refrain from going to them and saying, hey, you know, I got an idea for a book. Let's do this and that. You know, <laughs> I don't want to make a nuisance of myself. Uh, you know, in showbiz, they say, always leave them wanting more. So nice. I try to, you know, wait for them to come to me. And then with the nice book, that uh, the most recent one, that evolved very organically because I was just seeing so many comments all over the Internet. You know, people interested in knives and it's, it's such a dangerous thing. And a lot of people don't realize how dangerous it is. It's just as dangerous as a handgun at close range and, or, yeah. or more so. And uh you know, there seemed to be so much interest, and Vladimir had so many great nice stories, even while we were writing the Strikes book yeah. that I couldn't put in there, mm. and knowledge about that. And you notice in the Strikes book, there's a little a little unconscious teaser, which I didn't even realize at that time we would end up doing a nice book, but this helped to motivate us. You know there's a graphical, sort of a graphic novel section yeah, at the, the end, end of, of the Strikes book? Yeah. It's just a couple of graphic stories. story about stories. the jacket. And one of those stories, <laughs> yeah, it's a nice story right there. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's the very last content in that book. So it kind of segues into the next book, which is this Edge thing, which, again, you know, I went up there and had so many great days spent with them going through so many great stories and novels. And, you know, he'll just jump off the sofa. The sofa and start showing me stuff. It's just, it is so amazing. It's like if you were a sculptor and you could just sit with Michelangelo for days on end and just yeah. get him his personal tutoring. I mean, it's it's really a privilege to do these things. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I you know I go up there for like a, a week or um, once or twice a, a year. Um, I'm headed up there actually in about in three weeks' time and um, to go back up again. And you know, during that time, I have maybe like you know five days and a couple of nights where I'm in classes with Vladimir, and he's always very generous with his time, especially with his instructors. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, he wants to make sure that you're developing and things. And, um, and you know, but I'm conscious of the fact there's a lot of people in the class. There's usually other a lot of instructors. There's you know, any given time, there's usually about five Japanese instructors right. there who are living there or <laughs> training and stuff yeah, like that. So he's trying to amazing, he's trying to get to right? everybody, and especially people who have come from very far afield and they're, you know they're right. very diligent and devoted in their study. Um, and so I know I'm only going to get like you know 10, 15 minutes of his time. You know, at a time when I'm doing that, and so I try and kind of like drink it all in, suck it all up, and write notes about it afterwards, and you know, ring yeah. every bit of value I can out of the words that he kind of throws on um but i can't imagine what it would be like to be you know days and days on end just chatting to him about at length about these principles it's uh it's, it's, i know yeah, it's and, and he's just so sweet you know and he always knows exactly where you are i mean these are things that people haven't written books but just trained with him for even a few hours or a few minutes you yeah. understand totally well that the way he calibrates himself to you you know and he, he sees through you right away and he just yeah. works with you where you are and uh, that applies to the book writing process too. It's just, 
It's just so phenomenal. And uh, it's interesting that it's gotten so big in Japan, which you mentioned. I just wanted to follow up on that quickly because it has become huge in Japan. And there, frankly, uh, I'm going to go ego mode on here for just a second because I do take a little credit for that in the sense that, um, you know, back then it wasn't known at all. I mean, there was just no concept of it in Japan in the early 2000s, zero. No instructors, there were no classes, there was no Japanese person, as far as I know, studying or practicing this art. And Myself and Scott McQueen and Andy Safai, we started, the three of us started the first uh, sustained math training in Japan and the entire nation of Japan, as far as I know. Yeah. And, you know, basically it was just the three of us meeting in a park and we picked up our first few Japanese students and it kind of grew from there. And now there are thousands, as you say, there are thousands, there are dozens, if not more yeah. than dozens of Japanese certified instructors. And the, the books have been, well, at least the Strikes book has been translated and sells well over there. So, yeah. Uh, that's evolved amazingly. And this is in a country that obviously they take quite justified and deep pride in their own traditions. So it's quite amazing, the inroads. Yeah, I've, I've, actually, yeah, I've spoken to um actually quite recently. So I had um, Scott on uh, recently talking to him. And, um, oh, good. Yeah. yeah, and Rio Onishi as well, like further down the line. So he came, I, th- I think he was actually training. Uh, oddly right. enough, he was he training was in London. Probably, so he's yeah. a Japanese guy training systemically in London. He was the first and he came one back, of all, right? So probably. that's kind of a, yeah. That's right, that. that's right, yeah. yeah. Then he started up in Osaka. That's very mm-hmm. true, right? In Osaka, that's yeah. Yeah, so it's, so they were talking about um, well, Scott was opining a little bit on the reasons for the popularity of it, and he's like, uh, well, of course you've got a lot of native martial arts which are phenomenal in Japan. You know, I spent a couple of years there myself as well, like studying Japanese oh. and studying Aikido and Iwama uh-huh. Dojo, and um, oh. and uh, it's, and I was like, I, I was asking him, why do you think it has such appeal? Because Sistema strikes to um, strikes me as something that's so kind of improvisational, and that's not something in my experience that comes naturally to Japanese people because most right. of the rules and customs are very, very codified and everybody kind of knows what's yeah. expected of them and, and they almost take solace, solace in that, right? Everybody knows the, the, the etiquette and the, and the politeness and the things to say. Um, and so it's kind of very, um, there's a, a comfort in that, you know, and it's, it's, it can be difficult to kind of break structure in that sense. But, um, and Scott was sort of saying that, yeah, so some, a lot of the time when Japanese people come to try it for the first time, they're kind of a little bit, a loss and then they realize that there's this pure freedom here and they're just they just become almost like children they're like oh the joy i can do anything i want you know? yeah <laughs> it's, well, it's amazing i, I can improvise here and right. that's part of the reason why that's it's exploding right there yeah. yeah because they're getting something they can't get anywhere else and yeah. even in aikido as you know it's a great art but it is just as you said about all all the rest of japanese society it's highly codified ritualized yeah. and you have to respect all these authorities and hierarchies and stuff and so it is their first taste of freedom and that's why they love it and that's why it's become so big It's a brand new year at NC Sistema. All our classes are being held at our regular venue at 4815B Hillsborough Road in Durham, North Carolina. We're in the building behind the Triangle Music School on the junction of Hillsborough Road and Benrose Circle. In addition to our many martial arts classes, we've also added breathwork and strength and conditioning classes to the schedule this year. Visit ncsystema.com and view the new class schedule. Remember, there's a free trial class available for all new students. Book yours today. Yeah, so come back for a moment to the books. I'm, I'm just really interested in um, 
kind of the process because as you say um vladimir is just a, a very kinesthetic teacher you know he's uh, sometimes you I mean, get yeah. the sense that he doesn't even <laughs> like to talk it. he doesn't even like to talk yeah. about like the the, te- okay. the principles and the things he's like well I'm, my words are probably going to be wrong i'll you know this yeah, way. Yeah. He, he likes to show more than okay. he does like to talk and so i, know. I can't and imagine how difficult it was question, to get like that type right. of knowledge and, and out into a patient in class yeah. He's going to just call you up to the front and say, well, come on up here and, you know, I'll hit you a few times or you hit me a few times and we'll work it out. You know, it's not going to be necessarily in words at all, but you're so, going to get your answer. So, sure. so how, did, how did you go up? Issue. So Sorry. I have my own approach to this, which yeah. I can exemplify by the knife book, for example, where before, so we agree we're going to do something and, you know, it's going to be about knives, right? And then they kind of let me cogitate on it for a few weeks or months. And then I get back to to them with my specific plan for how to attack it. And the first thing I do is I go through the videos, okay? Hmm. I mean, they have this incredible video archive, not only the things that are downloadable for sale on the site, but think of on YouTube and many private videos that Valerie makes available to me of all the seminars they've ever done. They've all been recorded on video. So I go through this, for example, Knife. I went through, I don't know, well over 100 videos, and I transcribed every single word that Vladimir said. Wow. And also anything that Michael was doing that at least Valerie translated for. Obviously, I I do know some Russian, but not enough to to handle a real transcription. But Hmm. anything that she translated for, I also, I write down, I transcribe word for word, minute by minute, time stamped, every single video source before I take another step on this path so that I go in there and I'm not going to waste my time with him, no matter how generous he is. I mean, this is Michelangelo, this is Miyamoto Musashi. I'm not going to waste my time with him. So I go in there with these sheaves of everything transcribed. And then I say, well, here's how I think we could organize this. And then uh, usually, especially Valerie is extremely good at organization and uh, sort of formulating that presentation of ideas. So Mm. it's really a tripartite process with the three of us. And the great thing is that as Valerie and I are sort of, you know, getting all uh, left brain and kind of saying, well, maybe this section should be here or there, Vlad will suddenly remember some story or some teaching point or or he'll even say, you know, Scott, you've got this problem with this and that. Let me hit you a few times and maybe we can understand that better. And that'll evolve into something that that goes into the book as a more general concept. Hmm. So it's really a tripartite process that uh, kind of works for all of us because I'm the writer, and Valerie is the organizer, and Vladimir is the genius. And you need all three legs of the stool to keep it going. Do do you get the sense sometimes that um, the act of um, kind of making Vladimir describe things or or like um, be specific about what the principle is or how to talk about it almost clarifies it for him as well? Because I've seen that phenomenon, you know, when you try and write something down or when you try and teach something, Uh you've, in some ways, you know, I get the sense a lot of the time that Vladimir's forgotten about 90% of it, of the things that he can do. (laughs) So many things are so (laughs) like natural, like basic, basic and natural to him, like maintaining just like the perfect distance for combat and things like that and finding the right timing. He almost seems annoyed sometimes that other people can't do it just automatically. You know, it's like, it's it's always funny to me that he's just like, well, guys, you just have to, you know, be natural and be at this distance. it's it's like he's forgotten yeah. that he did a bunch of things to get to that place, right? And do you feel like sometimes yeah. that when you're, you know, pinning him down, sort of saying, is it this? It kind of makes him stop and think, oh, wait, it's not quite that. This is actually what it is. And it makes him refine there, the way that he's teaching and talking right, about things. Right, right. There definitely fits? is that element to it. In working with any genius, you find that. 
Yeah. And I've worked with some other great martial artists, not written books with them, but you know, been associated with them. And you do find that, that they are just so far be- beyond the beginner stage. Mm. But with Vladimir, it's also, uh, it's that he, it will remind him of things, you know, like stories and ideas that, that if I wasn't there as a writer, some, somehow forcing him to kind of sit down in this place and this time. Mm. And these things come back to him, points that he's wanted to make, yeah. that the format didn't allow and so on. So it isn't always so much that, you know, he didn't understand it himself sort of, and, and now he kind of gets that, oh, this needs to be laid out. It's more that he might not have had time to do it, True. or he might not have gotten around to it and stuff like that. So it's it's really a great opportunity to kind of coalesce everything that's yeah. been floating around the community and it's, it's just amazing to have it as a resource as well because you know i mean vladimir's with us and he's teaching now and he's doing everything but you know you got you got to imagine that at some point in you know some decades in the future he he might stop teaching right he might decide to retire he well, might do yeah, something else I mean, and so right. that that knowledge might be lost if you know, he decides to stop teaching mind so, is- yeah that's right. His mind is so free, and he himself says, who knows, you know, anything can happen. Anything yeah. can happen at any time. So I think it is good that at least we have this little chunk of it yeah. uh, immortalized, but also the videos, of course. But as yeah. I've said, the videos don't permit him to lay out everything. For example, in the New Edge book, you'll see more, more in one of the later chapters, mm. we have the spiral of engagement there, the mm. edge of engagement, and it shows how in an emergency situation, your perceptions close it down and your feeling of choice and freedom will close down, close down to a point where basically, you know, you might be killed. Mm. And uh, that, and then we show a contrasting graphic. I don't know if you saw that in the book yet uh, of, of that concept. Yeah, yeah. And that emerged from our discussions of his experiences in really hairy emergencies. Mm. And that kind of stuff is not the kind, kind of thing you can directly get into and present the graphics and everything in any seminar or even video. It yeah. just doesn't work. So that's where books really come into play. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, yeah, I've only, um, to be honest, I've gone through the Edge book once where I've written, I've, I've only actually got hold of it about three weeks ago um, in a big order from yeah, HQ. Yeah. And I've read the Strikes book about 20 times and I'm still, <laughs> I re- every time I read it, something else jumps out and it's just like this treasure yeah. trove. I mean, Level of Breath is well, fantastic as well, but Strikes me. to me is just phenomenal. And so, and Edge has the same kind of quality to it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to read this a lot of times to fully appreciate everything that's that's in it. Well, you know, I have heard that from many people that it's like, you know, I read it and then I read it again a few weeks later and it was like, it was a whole new book to me. So yeah. then I read it again, you know, people do say that, but I was particularly gratified in the case of strikes that I have the boxing background because that I could kind of use that as a bridge to people's normal expectations about striking. Yeah. That's why we use the phrase hit different, right? Because hmm. uh, boxing after all is a science of striking. If you know, if nothing else, I mean, it doesn't really have anything else, right? Sure. <laughs> There's mm. no groundwork. There's no grappling. There's no nothing. So that's also a science of striking. But I kind of use boxing as a bridge. And I've had experiences with Vladimir that, you know, I have sparred with all kind of people, heavyweights, ex-heavyweights, rank ama- uh, ranked amateurs, high-ranked amateurs, mm. also members of the USA Olympic boxing team, former mm. and at that time current. And so, you know, I kind of know boxing reasonably well. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of bothering times. And... Um, so one time I said to Vlad, well, tell you what, you know, you got all this gear because you got all your tricks and, you know, you can take me down. You can do all this cool stuff, but let's just work MOQ just for a few minutes, just for like the equivalent <laughs> of a round or two. Right. You know, there's no one else in the school. 
I said, let's just work MOQR. You can't do any of your stuff. You know, you just have to Marquee of Queensbury only. Yeah. And then I thought, maybe I have a chance. <laughs> and so he says, sure, you know, of course, come yes, and yeah, I would do whatever you want. And so, and it just was unbelievable what happened. First of all, it's impossible to hit him. Even with, even though he can't use any of his low kicks or tricks or takedowns or anything, it's impossible to hit him. He's just mm. smoke, all right? But that goes without saying. Anyone would expect that. Mm. Even though I'm, you know, in, in my day, I have very fast hands. I'm a pretty good hitter, but mm. couldn't even touch him. But that's fine. Then, though, he never hit me on a body area or head or anything. He just wanted to show me. So without saying anything, he would just tap my arms as I would either strike or retract. And just by his light feeling at the moment, you know, mm. he had just hit your arm in a certain place. And after less than one round, I could not raise my arms anymore. <laughs> now I know that I've, I've fought with all, all kind of, you know, old school type heavyweights and they know about tiring out the arms and stuff. I'm familiar with all those tricks in normal boxing. Yeah. But this was different. This was like being stung by a scorpion every time. Mm. And, and so he never hit me on a target area. All he did was take my arms out of it in a few seconds. Wow. It was unbelievable. And that's with every rule in the book being applied, which he knows very well, mm. what to do, what can be done, and what can't be done in that kind of a situation. So, you know, it's just this kind of stuff. You just don't get it anywhere else. And uh, also, mentally, you know, Vladimir will revolutionize your idea of what martial arts really is. Because I think most, especially males, I mean, something against the gender, you know, we have our great strengths too. But one <laughs> of our little fantasy things is that... Uh, I think most of us have a mental concept, even if we don't acknowledge it to ourselves, of a face-off. You know, there's going to be someday, somehow, there's going to be a dark alley. Mm. And I'm going to be one-to-one with this bad guy. And he's really bad. He's completely evil. And I'm good, you know. And because I've studied X, Y, or Z art, I'm going to take him down and protect myself, my family, and everything. And this is a very noble kind of aspirational vision that a lot of men have. And I totally understand that. But... As you work with Vlad, you know, you understand that they're really, really, as a professional, as someone who's got some depth in these, in these studies, yeah. there's no such thing as a face-off. Okay, yeah. face-off. This whole thing is our fantasies are based around one-to-one sport-fighting face-offs. If we really excavate our fantasies. Mm. And after a while with Vladimir, that just goes away. It disappears like snow on a summer day. You know, yeah. it's just gone because as a professional, you see... Vladimir, what is he? He's a professional, you know? Mm. And face-offs don't happen to professionals. And you start to feel that, even if you can't replicate it in your own body and mind. You start to feel that, oh, yeah. this whole face-off thing, you know, that's not real. That doesn't have to be real. Mm. And then that ties in with what I think is the greatest gift of sustainable, which is emotional control. Yeah. Learning emotional control is more important than anything else. Mm. And this is where Vlad is the ultimate master. Because he points you to that without words, despite all these books, his real teaching isn't in books or words. It's in what he is. And, and his very being, just being around him, this whole emotional control thing will begin to come to you. And you'll start to understand that just yeah. by having him as an example. Yeah. So that's the real depth of this stuff, those points, those kinds of points. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's interesting to say about the um, yeah the face off thing is I have this one student I've been training for quite a long time, and um, and it it just seems like he just keeps coming back um, with scenarios of you know I'm like what do you want to work on you know this time if we do like a private class or something like that and um, and 
a lot of private students have been training for a while, especially ones that have been to Toronto and back a couple of times, and they've you know met uh-huh. Vlad, they've trained some other seminars. We'll, we'll say, oh, I really want to work on you know um, just my distance my, or timing, or I want to work on kind of um, staying calm when I'm under pressure, receiving strikes, or some, mm-hmm. so, something else mm-hmm. like that. Some kind of principle, mm-hmm. right, that, that goes across yeah. things. But there's one student yeah. who's, who's, who seems like semi-obsessed with the scenarios. She's like, what if there's this guy, and he's looking at me in a pub, and, he, and, he's, and he's, just, he's a lot bigger than me, and what if he just charges me? You know, he's, so it's, yeah, he's constantly yeah. just thinking about these, these imaginary scenarios in which he's facing off with yeah. people. And, and I think it's partly because he hasn't been in a lot of real scenarios. Yeah. So there's partly that. So he's, know, and, again, so it's, most yeah. of it's imaginary. But, that, but there's this yeah. other aspect, though, um, in that that's not entirely imaginary in that because the more people see MMA or sport fighting or other stuff yeah. um, as like the de facto way to fight I, I think you're seeing that materialize a lot more in the way that people square up to each other and, and there is this right. you know this phenomenon that uh, you know, Rory Miller of Meditations on Violence fame likes to talk about mm-hmm. in, in monkey fighting versus you know predatory yeah, fighting mon- it's like right. and the professional social, fighter is, is, is like predation violence. it's like you say it's like they position themselves so that there's nothing going on but yeah that social monkey fight where you just kind of square up and really what you're doing right. is trying to give the guy a like a, a window to back down and you and your you know your greatest yeah. achievement the b- best thing that you can imagine is that the guy just gives up or looks foolish or backs down you don't you don't really want to fight him to the death you just want to make it look That's like a, it's, it's like a big show it's and, like and another random like gorillas fight or something yeah. like that right so and so that does exist display. so it's there but it's yeah. in but real like you say right. the more time you spend with vlad you not not only do you not like aspire to that anymore. Um, you, you can acknowledge that it exists, but you don't have to take part in that dance, right? You understand that yes, you have a it's choice. Quite, you, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite understandable, but what it really is, and you realize this after working with Vladimir, uh, people can intellectually understand this quickly, but they don't feel it in their bodies until they've worked with Vladimir. And that is, you're displaying fear yeah. when you are posturing in that way. Even if you're in the right, you know, the guy's bad. He took your parking place or whatever. He's wrong, right? He's yeah. bad. He's mm-hmm. evil. But you in coming into that are displaying your own fear and your own lack of emotional control. And this is something we all face. It's not like it's something, you know, it's not a moral fault. It's just something that's very understandable that people think this way. And we've been conditioned to think this way. And Vladimir is the antidote to that. But it takes, it may take time for everyone to appreciate that. It's true. From internet discussions. But uh, that's something that I saw very on. I thought, oh, this man is showing me. He's holding up a mirror to my own emotional state and revealing these crazy delusions that I have about one-on-one and mastery and, Mm. you know, fear and pride and anger and all this kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, that's the real art. It's all in this emotional control. And then... It is, but it isn't philosophy with him because, he, as I say, he's not—he's not a word master. He's a kinetic genius. There, you know, mm. people have said there's seven kinds of, of intelligence, and I, obviously he's a genius in one of those categories, which is kinetics. But mm. emotional control is intimately bound up with the kinetics, and that's the genius of Sistema because mm. they have created this artificial, trainable method to simulate the pressures of emotional control, which is breath, right? So when you're there with Michael in Moscow and you have to run around the gym five times holding your breath and then do six rolls backward, forward, and then be punched in the gut, lie on the floor, and a guy is going to run, a a big heavy spets guy is going to jump on your stomach or run across the line of bodies and all this, all of this with breath control. So it's a way of, that stuff is a way of simulating the panic, the pressure, the stress that you're going to be under yeah. and that leads to that, that leads to this emotional triggering. That yeah. is the genius of this art. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, I've actually, and that's what I've parlayed in some ways into the uh, the work that I do sometimes with corporate groups. Is it's a form of stress inoculation, right? And there's a, there's there's allied types yeah. of of that in um you know stress exposure training in psychology and um and there's forms of it, yeah, but yeah. none of them get quite to it in the same way that um, that Systema does as a methodology. Well, so I'm yeah. really in, I'm really interested in that crossover, and I'm working on that now with like university groups yeah. and things. So it's 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 yeah, fascinating and, to me. And it's gotten to be bigger this whole idea and uh you can you can certainly find programs that are much more extreme in terms of the situations and pressures and theories that they bring to it and so on and so forth infrastructure and whatnot yeah but the amazing thing is, is think of what these people have done with mm. nothing more than asking you to hold your breath under certain on the floor you know on the wall i mean they're working with nothing yeah. And yet they've created such incredible depth yeah. out of thin air, literally thin air, I could say. Sure. This is genius. Yeah, that it's a, it is reminds, true genius. It reminds me of the old story, and I think it's apocryphal. I don't think it's actually true, but about how the you know NASA spent $50 million or something like that trying to create a, a pen that will write in zero gravity and the, and the Russian version <laughs> was a pencil you know yeah, I'm pretty sure it's apocryphal we should tell that one at the science museum in London but I, I don't oh, think but NASA ever it. did that yeah. but it was like but yeah the astronauts use pencils so no, it seems like that's the Russian exactly way they'll, use, the, they'll, have, they'll yeah. use a stick instead of like a you know a whole smith machine right, for right. conditioning or something right, or they'll exactly. use a ball you know you, you take what you've got you haven't got as much and you're just going to work it as much as you can and find a way of getting the maximum yeah, value yeah. out of it you know it's, so yeah and, so, and they, so, they find greater depth in that so yeah. you know sometimes people say well you know the ones who, who aren't as appreciative they might yeah I looked at let every breath what is that you know it's just a simple inhale exhale a few exercises that's nothing you know well yeah. maybe but it links to something deeper it's just something that you it, the best antidote to all these criticisms is, is to meet by it yeah. That's all I can say. Sure. Yeah. No. And uh, so, to, yeah, none of the criticisms is mine. <laughs> it's, a, I'm, I'm, it's preaching the converted on this one, definitely. Um, so, uh, switching yeah. gear a little bit um, towards the end. So, you, you've had a, you said you had a long career in working in technology for Apple, IBM, and now you said Oculus VR. Was that you said you're working for just now? Or? Yeah. Yeah. That's a virtual reality thing. People yeah. who are into this high tech. High- game uh recognize that name sure. as a yeah, yeah i'm aware of it so, leader, uh, yeah. so so on a personal level how do you kind of um juggle or juxtapose this you know the, the systema kind of approach of having presence and awareness and kind of um keeping your humanity forefront um and this kind of career in technology that must kind of pull you in a million different distracting directions i mean i know for myself i'm trying to get off of social media as much as possible and I'm, oh, you know, yeah. techn- the beeps and whistles of technology, the alerts, the notifications, <laughs> the reminders, all these things are like, seem like they're designed to pull us away from ourselves and, and awareness and feeling, That's true. feeling yeah. the environment around us. And most of the things that system is working so hard to cult- cultivate within us. Right. So how do you That's working right. in that high tech world kind of juggle your, okay. your own training? The, the secret to it is again, something that Vlad exemplifies every minute that you're with him, which is you have to have a, sense of fun okay hmm. and uh that's the key thing minute to minute you have to find the interest in what's around you even if it is a high-tech pressure situation but after training in sistema you know it's different like if you work in high tech you sometimes go to meetings or you have presentations all this kind of stuff but the typical high-tech you know engineer or business person is not focused on 
the reality that they're in at that moment. They're thinking about the idea mm. or the, the next quarter, if they're a more business person, you know, they're just thinking about all that stuff. But after you've been in Sistema, you can enjoy the physical aspect of it, which seems so trivial, right? It's, it's like, oh, that's not part of our game. We're thinking of quarter one stock returns or the next engineering architecture or next API. But you can do all that. But at the same time, at least me, I, I now have this sort of organic feel for where I am physically and what's, what are the people dressed like, you know, and how are they feeling that they are? Are they sniffling? Are they coughing? I mean, any little thing, you start to see the incredible enjoyment of daily life. Mm. And this is something that if you hang around with Vlad, you really appreciate this dimension of him. Every moment that he's existing, he is like not only absorbing and noticing and observing, but he's enjoying mm. the physical, the physics of where he is and what he is and the movement of it. Every moment with him is organic. Mm. And this is something, you know, if he's 100, I'm 0.005, but I picked up a little bit of that from him. Mm. The feeling that you can enjoy each moment for what it really is, even though the supposed topic of what you're all doing and the focus of it is something really quite removed from where you are at that moment or any other material consideration. Hmm. But uh, I don't know how to explain it. It, it. You learn how to enjoy stuff yeah. from being with Vlad. You know, I was a lot more serious before I met Vlad. Hmm. I didn't uh, laugh as much because I didn't enjoy life as much. And from him, I kind of learned, oh, there's a kind of fun in everything. You know, people are so crazy and everything mm. is so arbitrary, but there's a kind of fun yeah. and you can find that. It's, it's really quite astonishing. If you just, just hang around with these guys, you start to learn all this. I, I'm also reminded of the, that whole, the concept that they have in um, Buddhism and Buddhist meditation sometimes where like the annoying things like traffic or the, the cell phone or something <laughs> and one is like yeah. the alarm bell that's supposed to snap you back into realizing right, that, right, oh, right. I'm, I'm just lost in thought here and this is rubbish. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. there to remind you that you're still alive and you can either get annoyed by it or you can be like, oh, this is ridiculous. Why am I angry in traffic? And, you know, <laughs> why am I so annoyed by that, you know, shrieking yeah. baby on the plane well, the or thing. whatever it's going to be? And the thing is, mm. you... Yeah, and you may still feel just as angry and annoyed and pissed off and everything, but you learn to enjoy even your own emotions, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's really quite quite striking. And all this development happens really organically. It's only afterwards you look back and you realize, oh, you know, that's, that's a quality that I somehow picked up that I didn't have before. Right. And I, I totally credit uh, Vladimir for that. Just, yeah. just seeing the fun in things. Yeah. You don't have to be that serious in your approach to life. Absolutely, yeah. It's... Uh... Yeah, I think one of the other things Vlad likes to say is that, you know, if, you, if you're serious all the time, when a serious situation happens, you've got nowhere to go from there emotionally. You know, you, ah, you, can't, you right. can't turn it up to 11, as Spinal Tap might say. <laughs> you've got, um, you, you, so you, have to, you know, you yeah. need to live with some levity so that you've got some space to go into if you're going to get truly stressed out, you know. So yeah, yeah, on a practical yeah. level, it's a, for a functional level, yeah. you should, you know, maintain a sense of humor. You know? Great. So, um, yeah. so what's, what's happening next for you, Scott? Have you got any other um, books or projects or things like in the works? relating to Sistema, or are you kind of taking well, a little bit of a breather I, since the Edge books come out? Yeah, I mean, the, the books are such an effort. I think we will take a breather for quite some time on that, but yeah. you never know. These things pop up organically. They'll, they'll suddenly have a thought or a student will mention something, and then I'll get interested, and before you know it, we're, we're grinding something else out. But 
for now, there are no plans. And I do continue with my own writing. I write about Chinese martial arts a lot, which is a much more specialized kind of practice that doesn't mm. really have the direct engagement with daily life. Mm. Sort of, you know, keeping your keeping your sanity, keeping your life, not getting hit by cars. These are the great values of Sistema training, that daily life awareness. Yeah. And, and nothing trumps that. But I, uh, I do write about the more esoteric aspects of some of the other arts I've studied. But that's a completely different stream. Mm. That I don't really mix the two together. Okay, gotcha. And are you, do you have a regular training group in Seattle? Do you teach in Seattle, or do you train with a group there? Or? I teach. Uh, I teach private lessons uh, mainly, though, for people interested in Chinese martial arts, because we have one great instructor here. And we have several instructors, actually, uh, certified, uh, very uh, yeah. expert instructors in, in the Northwest. Sure. But the one that I just happen to have known the longest, one of my early, early Sistema brothers is Quan Lee, yeah, who I've too. known mm-hmm. from the very beginning. We started about the same time. I think I was a little ahead of him, but basically way back 20 years ago. And he was already a very accomplished martial artist, even sure. when he just walked in the door. Yeah, yeah. And he got it right away, man. <laughs> you know, he's so talented in every way, mentally, athletically. And mm-hmm. he teaches right here in Seattle. So right. when yeah. people come to me asking about that aspect, I just point them to his them to Kwan. Right away. <laughs> Go I mean, see Kwan. So, yeah. I'm not going to be a candle in the sunshine, you know. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and also my interest is uh, in, in terms of teaching, although I am certified by, uh, in Sistema, but I teach mostly the Tai Chi and I do seminars, you know, a few times a year. And then people come to me privately a lot. They read, people who have this very narrow interest in Tai Chi will come to me and say, well, can we work on this or that? So yeah. I do a lot of private uh, sessions on, on that basis. Great. So, um, so if I wanted to refer yeah. people to yeah. your, um, to your books, both on, um, well, obviously RussianMartialArt.com and the store is probably the, the best and first place to go for, for the books. Although they're, are they available on Amazon as well now or? Okay, so the Sistema books are as follows. They're uh, obviously they're on the Russian martial art website in several languages now. So we've got we've got the English in the ebook and the print. Yep. No problem there. And then French and Spanish are both available, I think, at least in print and probably in ebooks now. But there's even a Russian edition that's kind of interesting, Coles to Newcastle, right? Mm. But Michael had the, the Let Every Breath book translated to Russian, so there's actually a Russian edition of that. And then there's the Japanese editions mm. um, of um, the Strikes book, which is also an e-book. On, it's sold in Tokyo in Japanese language and then in English on the Russian martial art website and also on Amazon as yep. both an e-book and a print book. The Edge book is only available on the Russian martial arts site in print format at okay. this moment. I think they might have just come out with the e-book of that. I'm not sure, but the translations will probably take another few months on that one. Gotcha. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and your, your other books on Tai Chi for people who oh, might be... My other books, all yeah. You, yeah, all you have to do is go to Amazon, type in Scott Meredith, and then the words Tai Chi. And okay. you'll get this splattering of all kind of crazy books on that subject, which really are probably not of great interest to your audience. But if, if anyone cared to check, yes, they are there. Great. No, I think some are. Some people cross-train Tai Chi and Bagua and other things like that as well. So I, I can think of at least two okay. or three other instructors that I know that m- might be interested in reading uh, your co-musings. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's great. And then if anyone wants to get in touch, I'm pretty good with email. So they can easily find my email. I'm all over the web. I have a YouTube channel. My YouTube channel does not show any Sistema because, frankly, you know, I'm just not that great at it, so I didn't want to push that for myself. But it does show other little tricks and games that I do in martial arts. So, 
great that's there too well i'll stick some links up to that in the show notes and uh some people Thank winging you. their way towards your stuff fairly shortly uh, but so thanks once again scott for taking the time out today i've really uh, enjoyed talking to you and maybe we can have well, you been, back on the show a little you. later on Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Systema, please visit us online at www.ncsystema.com.